Their jerseys may not hang in the rafters in Staples Center, but they hang in our hearts. You're listening to the Forgotten Lakers podcast. Oh, and don't forget, check out Forgotten Lakers on Instagram. And now, here's Travis Ware. Hi, Travis. Yeah, what's up? How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Great. And I'm coming in okay? Like over the, on the audio? Yeah, you're coming in great. How about me? Yeah, yeah, you sound good. Well, thank you so much okay. for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Cool. Uh, yeah, so I know I told you a little bit over the e- about uh, a little bit about the podcast over email. Really, just um, reaching out to former Los Angeles Lakers players like yourself, talking about their history with basketball, uh, their time with the Lakers, and what they're doing now. Um, most of the guys I've talked to. Like I said, I you know probably played with the Lakers in the '80s, '90s, early 2000s. So to have a guy who is with the organization so recently uh, to be able to shed some light on their experience will be uh, really cool and a nice change of pace. But um, yeah, like like I said, I appreciate you taking the time to do this and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, um, yeah. So listeners, like I said, uh, we have so we have Travis Ware on play with the Lakers and the. 2017 2018 season and was in a couple other mini camps uh i'm sorry a couple other preseasons with the lakers uh but a recent change for you you decided to hang up your sneakers recently what went into that decision to retire from professional basketball at the age of 30 uh you know i tore my acl um last january and then with the onset of the pandemic um I just thought it was going to lead to limited opportunities for me. And um, at 30, I just thought it'd be a good opportunity to start off in my next career and, you know, put down some permanent roots uh, mm-hmm. and just uh, enjoy the game from the sideline. How, how's everything been going for you just in terms of, you know, the physical part of rehab? I know you're obviously not playing anymore, but that's been going well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, I did. um I had a really intensive rehab for about seven months because I had every desire and inclination that I was going to keep on playing. So I got pretty much, you know, at the nine month mark, I felt really good and I was back to playing on the court. Um, But then I was like, it didn't look like there was going to be many opportunities this upcoming year. So Mm -hmm. you can see there's limited, there's limited G league opportunities right now. And, um, overseas money is down a little bit too. So, you know, I just, I just thought it would be a good time to, to move on, focus on my next career, find, you know, my wife and I just bought a place here in Orange County. So, you know, just, just settle into the, the next chapter. What is that next chapter exactly? So I'm in a commercial real estate finance now for a company called Harvest. Um, we're essentially a non-bank national lender. Uh, we work with we work with uh, commercial real estate brokers, mortgage brokers, and we basically finance finance deals to help small businesses um, acquire or refinance their buildings that they are currently in. Okay, very cool. Is that something uh, you were interested in, like you know, in terms of what you studied in college, or how did you get into that field? Uh, no, it was actually just a uh, a contact that I had made. Um, in college, I was a political science major and actually to to eat up some of my time and put when I was rehabbing with my ACL, 
I wanted to be as productive as possible off the court. So I started studying for the LSAT, took the LSAT with, um, you know, the inclination that I was going to pursue law school and then go into player representation. Um, but then I came across an individual who is the one of the executives at this company called Harvest. And he said, look, I, I think you should come in for an interview. Uh, I think you'd be good at our company. So I did. And um, they liked me and I liked what the job entailed. And uh, I've been doing this for the last couple months now. Oh, very cool. Congratulations. No, thank you. Thank you. Sure. Um, so getting into your history with basketball, you grew up in Southern California. Were you a Laker fan growing up? Oh, huge. Huge. I mean, in my childhood home still, uh, I still have that little, you know, Toys R Us plastic replica locker um, uh, with like oh, yeah. my little, <laughs> with, with some of my jerseys in there. So, yes, I was a pretty much a diehard Laker fan. My dad and my brother and I we would always have every game on when he got home from work. So um, being able to actually mm-hmm. put on a Laker jersey myself was was truly a dream come true. Oh, I can imagine. Who were some of your favorite Lakers growing up? I mean, Kobe, Shaq, Eddie Jones early on when I first started watching him, Nick Van Exel, Lamar, Lamar Odom, um, mm-hmm. Robert Ory. Yeah. Yeah, but like that—that's the short list of the guys. Yeah, I was a big Ori fan growing up too. But um, yeah, growing up, Shaq was my favorite player. Uh, my family's Black Lab is named Shaq, so he's just, he's just always been, you know, uh, <laughs> I've always been a big fan of his. So yeah, I know you mentioned your brother. You're an identical twin. So am I. Uh, unfortunately, our oh, basketball uh-huh. career ended. It. <laughs> our basketball career ended in middle school, but you know, growing up, we played every day. And we still played rec leagues together, you know, when the pandemic's not going on. Uh, but did yeah, y'all have bro- a very – go ahead. No, you, go ahead. What were you going to ask? Oh, I was just going to uh, ask you to go into, you know, y'all's history with basketball growing up. Like, were y'all really competitive in all sports? You know, how did y'all's, uh, you know, relationship grow around basketball? Oh, yeah. Like, my brother and I are competitive in everything, um, not just sports. I mean, it's magnified when you throw sports into it, but um, everything that we do, we're constantly competing and, you know, um, setting the bar for one another. But we grew up, when we hit our growth spurt and we really started focusing on basketball, like late middle school, we really started competing and we'd play one-on-one every day. And Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of, that laid the foundation for our skill set, like moving on through high school and college. Um, We were fortunate enough to play at a high level in high school and college and then go on to play professionally. But our competitive nature with one another that started early on definitely, I think, fueled a lot of the success that we had in basketball, um, you know, throughout the remainder of our careers. I I I know he was with the Kings briefly and played overseas, but I wasn't really too familiar with his playing style. Did y'all have similar uh, styles of play? Uh, yeah, we were both very similar players. Um, I think we were both more perimeter or like perimeter oriented scale bigs rather than your traditional um, 
screen and roll bigs. We were more screen and pop, um, stretch the floor kind of bigs. At least that's how we played in in high school and college. And I even played, I think, a little, even more on the perimeter professionally as as well as he did. So um, mm-hmm. very very similar skill sets. So with my brother, uh, I mean, we played all the time growing up, one on one all the time. Play horse every day. I feel like more often than not, he would probably beat me in horse, but I would probably win in a one on one game, or at least that's what I would like to think. Did y'all have something like that going on? Like one guy would probably win more in horse and one would win more in one-on-one. Yeah. I would actually say that like whenever we did horse or, you know, spot shots or we were competing at different spots, um, he would generally win in the shooting competitions or I would win in the one-on-one competition. Um, How did y'all first settle on UNC before eventually transferring to UCLA? I mean, we went out there for the Midnight Madness, and it was insane. And that was their national championship year in 2009 with Danny Green, Tyler Hansborough, Wayne Ellington, uh, you know, Marcus Stinger, Ty Lawson, Deion Thompson, mm-hmm. all those, all those great players. And um, it, it's tough to say, it's tough to say no to that. Um, and we were just, we were in love with it. We, we, we loved the idea of going to North Carolina and playing and. You know, we got there and you know, we enjoyed the experience, but at the end of the day, it was a little bit of a culture shock. And we thought that transferring back home to UCLA and, you know, being next to our friends and family and playing in front of our friends and family was 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 what we, was what we really wanted. Were y'all always, I mean, was the plan for y'all always to play together, like no matter where it was, if it was UCLA or UNC or anywhere that y'all were going to? end up going together yeah uh that was always the plan um definitely but it's funny because now my brother and I like look back on it and that decision and I think we both could agree that if we were to do that over again we would have went to separate schools because naturally like you play the same position as the guy um you're just oh, like yeah. <laughs> you're just gonna eat each other's minutes so uh, we may have benefited a little bit more had we gone to different schools, maybe like close, close, you know, in proximity, because I don't think we wanted to be too far apart. But from a standpoint of um, like getting more minutes and I think developing our own identity a little bit more on the court, it, it could have been more beneficial had we gone to different schools. No, that makes sense. My brother and I went to different colleges, but I mean, we talked every day, like throughout college, we still talk every day, but it, it was nice to kind of get, I guess, separated a little bit, but um, yeah, but I mean, but obviously we, we, we weren't big time basketball players, so it didn't, it didn't matter what we were going to be doing. <laughs> so yeah, coming out of UCLA, uh, you end up going undrafted, but catching on with the Knicks. What was it like to mm-hmm. have a former Laker, Derek Fisher, as your first NBA, first NBA head coach? It was awesome. You know, I obviously grew up watching Derek Fisher play for the Lakers. And um, not only D. Fish as the coach, but also you had Phil as the president. Uh, just mm-hmm. have, like, you know, those guys are, you know, they, they, they're Lakers royalty. Um, and to be now be coached by them and mentored by them at the NBA level after aspiring your whole life to reach that level. It was it was actually hard to wrap your your head around at first. Now that I look back on it, I'm not sure that 
I truly grasped the magnitude of that situation at the time. But now I look back on like, wow, like you, you like your path at one point crossed with Derek Fisher and, and Phil Jackson um, from, you know, shooting hoops in the driveway in Huntington Beach to now, you know, playing in the garden, like for those guys. So it was pretty amazing. I can imagine. What was something that when you got to the NBA, when you got to the Knicks, uh, that was, you know, drastically different, like in the NBA overall than what you were expecting? I don't think a lot of, you know, people take into account the the travel and, and the wear and tear that a, a season can have on your body. I think there's multiple times during that year I would wake up on the road and you just wouldn't even know what city you were in because um, oh, you're God. traveling so much. You're You're hopping on you know, you're hopping on these plane. You, you see what, from a fan's perspective, you're, you're looking at the court and you're just watching the game. You're not realizing that, you know, you get they, they go in the locker room, these guys change, and then you're hopping on an airplane at 1 a.m. You're landing in another city around 3, sometimes 4 a.m., uh, getting as much sleep as you can. You have to wake up and get your body to go ready to go that same night. Um, so... I definitely didn't take that into account going in um, just the, the time, the dedication, the mental, the mental focus that you have to be that you have to have the entire time um, during mm-hmm. the season. So after your rookie year, I know you, it took a couple of years till you were back in the NBA. You went overseas. Um, mm-hmm. You were in the D league with South Bay. What was the, I guess in terms of going overseas versus coming back to play in the D league, what was the decision, you know, I guess for each way, like why overseas versus the D league and then eventually why back to the D league um, and not staying overseas? Yeah. So I thought after my rookie year in New York, when I didn't get picked up and it wasn't looking like I was going to sign with another NBA team, one, the money overseas was a lot better. Um, Mm -hmm. And, I thought at least laying a foundation if I wanted to pursue a career over there, over there, you kind of have to, you, you work your way up a little bit. You have to showcase that you can play in that system. Um, so I thought at least getting a year under my belt overseas would benefit me. Um, and then, you know, I realized, Hey, like I would much rather continue to develop in the D league and be closer to home. And I was fortunate enough to actually be, home in LA uh that's where I was most happy and I was able to remain there the rest of my career oh yeah in LA LA, that is yeah exactly yeah I really I so I'm in the Dallas area I live just north of Dallas so and obviously a huge Lakers fan uh I would go to the South Bay Texas Legend games a few times when (laughs) you would come up there yeah yeah. uh, that was a really fun environment. Um, you know, you can sit, I would always sit so close for, you know, whatever it was, $20, $30, which would never happen at an NBA game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Y- y'all come out after the game, you sign autographs, take pictures with the kids. Uh, it's just really cool. So um, w- what's going to stick out most from your South Bay experience for you when you look back on it in 20, 30 years? I think the South Bay experience really allowed me to showcase like from a personal standpoint, kind of the best basketball that I could play. 
Um, even mm-hmm. though it wasn't, I wasn't playing it necessarily like in the NBA at the highest level, highest league that you can play in. I think I can show my kids like highlights of me one day, and I could showcase the skills that I was, you know, using in the in the G League. I was like, yeah, like, you know, I could hoop a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and it allowed me like I, you know, to become the basketball player I think I was at the end of my career, which which was. I think the best ball I, I could have possibly played. Yeah, those games are definitely entertaining. And um, yeah, I went to one, I went to two the last couple of years. I remember one, you hit six or seven threes. Y'all blew the legends out. Then mm-hmm. last year, yeah, last year, I want to say it was in February, maybe, where the legends came back and I guess got even with y'all. Those were the only two times I was able to get up to Frisco to see y'all play the legends. Okay, yeah, uh, we were there plenty of times. Um, so in the 2017-2018 year, in March of that year, the Lakers signed you to a couple of 10 days before signing you to the end of to sign you through the rest of the season. So that was the last year pre-LeBron. Uh, you know, Luke Walton's the head coach. A lot of guys are coming in on one-year contracts, just trying to finish out the year. Like you touched on earlier, putting on the Laker jersey was a dream come true for you. Uh, what's going to stick out most to you from your, you know? that particular Lakers season where you got to be a member of the squad? I would say definitely the first game, without a doubt. Um, getting the call the day the day before they played San Antonio, mm-hmm. I, got a, I got a call from my agent, and he's like, all right, you need to pack a bag. You're going to San Antonio. And at that moment, you know, I was, you know, I, I didn't cry. Like, the first time I, I – I, heard that I was going to make the NBA with the Knicks. I was, but I was very close to, you know, I was elated, happy, um, <laughs> dream come true. Anyways, packed a bag, hopped on a flight and the next more, the next morning flew to San Antonio. Um, and oh, I was, I'm sorry, I flew to San Antonio and we didn't play until the following day. So I had a day to get in to, to get into San Antonio. I went to the gym with, Honestly, it was a great experience with um, a mentor of mine growing up, uh, Miles Simon, who is now an assistant there with L.A., was an assistant there when I had my stint with L.A., Um, went to the gym with Mm -hmm. him, got shots up, just got acclimated after traveling. He he looks at me and he goes, hey, Trav, like, be ready. I think Luke's going to put you in the game. I was like, all right, I'm ready. Let's go. Yeah. Anyways, he comes up to the game. you know, I get first half minutes. I do a couple things, play play well, um, and then I ended up coming in at the shoot. Had it been maybe at the the end of the third or the beginning of the fourth, um, and I play the entire fourth quarter. Um, we come back, we win. I played great, and then just that feeling after the game where you can finally like relax and and comprehend what just happened and unpack Mm -hmm. it because in the moment you're just so locked in and doing your job that nothing else is really you're not thinking of anything else other than you know playing the game and doing all the right things uh that's when I you know got calls from my parents and my family and everyone else who was locked in to congratulate me and it was a it was just a great experience Oh man, I bet. Uh, did you keep anything from that game, like the shoes or the jersey or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I have my jersey. That jersey's framed. So. Um, oh, awesome. Definitely, definitely able to remember remember that moment. 
Then also in your stint there at the end of the year, uh, they sign your South Bay teammate, Andre Ingram. He had that inspirational <laughs> yeah. game. Yeah, he had that inspirational game versus the Rockets. Um, you know, his first NBA game after being in the D League for 10 plus years. Uh, what sticks most out to you from uh, his first game with the Lakers? Oh, just one, being able to assist on his first NBA bucket. Um, oh, yeah, you did. Yeah, and, the three. And then just being able to share the court with a guy and see the emotion, um, like, in his face and just, I don't know, just sharing in that moment with them and sharing in all the hard work that he put in to get to that moment to uh, be able to partake in that moment with him was, was a moment in basketball I won't forget. And I don't think any Laker fans will forget that night. And um, I can't imagine what it was like to be a part of that for a guy, like you said, who for put in all that work had been in the D league for 10 plus years, you know, taking side jobs just to make ends meet to finally get to live his dream must've been really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I know within the next season, uh, it looked like you were going to come back. You were in training camp. Uh, they signed you to a two-way contract and then released mm-hmm. you right right towards the right before the start of the season. Did that catch you off guard, or did you think that was a possibility going in? No, definitely not. Um, so they I signed that two-way and then went through training camp and then – actually flew up to Portland for the first regular season game. And after the game, like they informed me that they were going to waive me, um, came at a complete shock, uh, did not see it coming. So mm-hmm. obviously after that, like, you know, it's professional sports, stuff like that happens. You gotta, you know, just take it in stride and keep working. So that's what I did. And, um, ended up going back to South Bay a month a month later after looking at some of the other options that I had um overseas and around the league and at that point I just I just really wanted to stay around home still and uh just went back to South Bay. Yeah. Yeah, that's basically all the questions I had. I really was just really interested in hearing a little bit more about your story and uh Getting a ch- or giving you a chance to share a little bit of your Laker insights to Laker fans around the world. So thank you so much, Travis. I really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck with your new venture and with your new fans for coming on. this. Of course. Thanks for having me.